Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. Hey, if you're just catching your sports medicine radio show for the very first time, man, we're very, very glad to have you, very honored to have you. You can find out more about our sports medicine radio show by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. But basically what we do here is we're a sports entertainment show that uh, gives you the sporting news with a sports medicine niche. We talk about what maybe injuries have gone on with your favorite players, what injuries are affected maybe like the NBA playoffs this week. Those types of uh, issues are what we're talking about here on Docs and Jocks. My name is Dr. Dan. I've been a team physician at the uh, college, high school, professional level uh, for about 20, 25 years. So, man, we've been uh, doing what on the show here for the last uh, 8 to 10 years what I do in my day job at Texas Sport and Spine, and that's talk about knees, hips, backs, uh, different uh, injuries to uh, musculoskeletal parts of your body that we uh, – kind of also help you maybe if you have a similar type of injury talk about those injuries and how long they take to get back from and things you can do to help uh, improve your injury and, and get back out on the field again i'm joined each week by my co-host uh, ferris potter ferris is the voice of grand canyon university longtime sports broadcaster ferris ferris very excited about the show today yeah it's going to be a fun one Man, we got a couple of great guests, as always. We have on Toby Bicknell is going to be on with us. He is the uh, CEO of Prep Baseball Texas. In other words, he does uh, basically evaluates talent of young athletes who are wanting to be uh, big-time baseball players, whether collegiately or professionally. He is an evaluator of baseball talent. He's been a baseball coach at uh, some incredible programs, uh, Clemson, Davidson, uh, United States Air Force. He was also a college baseball player himself. I'm also excited to talk about uh, with him at United States Air Force Academy. Uh, he was the uh, teacher of the combative and uh, swim uh, survival classes. That'll be cool talking to him about wow. that as well. So uh, Tony Bicknell, you won't want to miss uh, him talking about the up-and-coming young baseball players of the world and uh, where we're at with youth baseball, which has exploded in the United States. And then uh, later on the interview, we're going to have on a uh, Hardin-Simmons University, which it was all, also my alma mater, a baseball player from there, Tony Beasley. And if that name sounds familiar, familiar he is Tony Beasley Jr. Tony Beasley Sr., his dad is the third base coach for the Texas Rangers and recently overcame uh, rectal cancer and is back out coaching again. And we're going to talk about how that uh, affected uh, his life and his family's life. We're also going to be talking about their baseball careers, what it was like growing up around a professional baseball coach who coached for the uh, Nationals and now with the Rangers. He was a 10-year minor leaguer, his dad was, so talking about growing up in that household. So you won't want to miss that and more on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Uh, also want to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Sports Clips, Buffalo Wild Wings. Could not do our show without our wonderful sponsors. Hey, also remember, you can follow our show or email us or follow us on social media by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Hey, we'll be right back with your Sports Medicine Radio Show, Docs and Jocks, after this short commercial break. You're listening to Guy Talk, live from the Sport Clips Haircuts locker room. Caller, you're on the air. (sighs) My girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh, sounds like you need to hit up a Sport Clips for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time. I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to Sport Clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. 
Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. Great to have you with us today. If you want to find out more about our show or listen to our show at your convenience, you can do that by going to docsandjocks.com, or you can go to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and listen to our show anytime, anywhere. Hey, Ferris, so first of all, hey, tell us about your uh, morning, man. You had a busy morning this morning. You uh, not only do Docs and Jocks, you also do the fantasy baseball rap, but you also uh, today were on a uh, drive-time show there in the Phoenix area. Tell us about what that was like. Yeah, on uh, 1580 The Fanatic, 993 FM in Phoenix, got to do the morning show. Uh, Kevin Ray, who does the show with Mike Bauer, got the job uh, as the uh, New Suns TV guy. So he's been out a few days here and there doing some other things. And um, so this week they've had some fill-in hosts and things. I think he did some deals with the Suns and then went off to uh, Missouri to visit his mom since it's uh, Mother's Day. But uh, So they called me and said, you want to fill in? I said, yeah, the the only issue was... I live about 45 minutes away from the studio, and the show starts at 6 a.m. Oh, my God. And I have to be there about 5 a.m., 4.45 to prep. So I was basically hitting the alarm about 3.30, thinking I could shower in 15, 20 minutes and get out the door. But I I had my cold shower and my bulletproof coffee, and I made it through the morning. Bam, there you go. Man, Ferris does a fantasy baseball rap. He's my co-host on Docs and Jocks. He is the sports broadcasting voice for Grand Canyon University, and everything's going on at their uh, Division One program, which is exploding. And now he's doing uh, the morning drive time show in in Phoenix. Oh, and plus, by the way, you have a full time job, and you have four wonderful kids that you're uh, toting around town all the time. That's true. Uh, my wife uh, does a ton with the uh, the four wonderful kids. I have to say that on Mother's <laughs> Day, of course. Absolutely. Uh, but it is absolutely true and allows me to do all those other things, which is cool. So, yeah, th- this was a one-time shot on the morning drive deal. Um, man, I think I'd have to move closer if, I, if they ever ask if I want <laughs> yeah. to do that shot. I would definitely be like, yeah, I need to move like 10 but minutes away. <laughs> the highlight of your week is right now we're doing Docs and Jocks, our sports Docs, radio Jocks, show. baby. Hashtag so DNJ. There you Hashtag go. DNJ. <laughs> so let's just jump right into Docs and Jocks and what's going on in the sports medicine world right now. Man, the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, continue their – Man, their legacy, I don't know what you want to call Popovich and what he's done there over the years, but it's been a real dynasty legacy, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the, now they went, found out, you know, we talked about it last week on, on, on air here on Docs and Jocks, Tony Parker, their, uh, their uh, all-star point guard, goes down with a uh, patellar tendon rupture, a quadriceps rupture, which is the uh, tendon that holds the big muscle in the front of your leg. It ruptures, and he ends up having to have a surgery to uh, go ahead and put that back, and it's a terrible injury. It's a very painful injury. It's a hard injury to overcome. It's a big muscle in the front of your legs. It's a ba- basically four different muscles that all come down and attach together, so it's a very, very strong pulling uh, on the front of your knee, and he, he had a rupture of it. So there without him. Then they find out last night going into game six against the Houston Rockets and uh, James Harden that they're going to be without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is out now uh, starting last night's game with an ankle injury. So he is basically their MVP candidate for this year. So they lose Tony Parker, their starting point guard. you got Patty Mills out there doing his thing. you got Kawhi Leonard, who's now out. He's going to be being, uh, filled in with Jonathan Simmons is going to come in for him. You know, Jonathan Simmons, the great uh, Spurs player, you know you know him. Hall of, Famer. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, Absolutely. Jonathan Simmons. Yep. So with Popovich, without two of his uh, star players, is now up against James Harden and the Houston Rockets. And what does he go out and do, Ferris? He wins 114 to 75. Holy cow. Smoke. 39-point win. Popovich, his uh, his 
is, I mean, really, how can you get any bigger than him as far as what he's done in the uh, NBA and, and the stories that are going to be told about him long after he retires? But this will be one of them they'll talk about. Game six, they wrap up their series against the Houston Rockets with a 39-point victory without Tony Parker, without Kawhi Leonard. Leonard's out with an ankle injury. And I thought one of the interesting parts of the story, and I think this is where Popovich really does well earning the respect of his players. So they asked him before the game, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, if he was going to play, and he said, I'm trying to play. I'm trying to get rehabbed. He's, he worked all day on the night before the game, and that day he was working on trying to get back from his ankle injury. He then decides that uh, he's going to try and play. No, Popovich comes and sees him, and he said, tells the reporters right before the game, hey, we're going to hold out Kawhi Leonard. It is not his decision to sit. It is mine. So he basically takes the responsibility off the player for making the decision whether or not he's going to play or not because every player wants to play. And uh, he gives this guy Jonathan Simmons a chance. And Jonathan Simmons, this is an interesting part of the story here, Ferris. He is from the Houston area. They're playing in Houston. He played for the University of Houston. He grew up a Houston Rockets fan. Popovich starts him against the Rockets because of Kawhi Leonard's uh, injury. And the dude goes out and scores 18 points and has, like, the game of his life, man. I think that's where Popovich probably understands his players and the opportunity it presented. And I mean, you can't take away for how good, great a year Kawhi Leonard's had this year, but, man. That is an awesome, awesome uh, way to go out and win a game when you are down two players. But I thought Popovich did a great job from a sports medicine standpoint of taking the responsibility off his player and telling him basically everybody, Leonard's decision is, is not his, it's mine, I'm sitting. But I think that's the great mystique of uh, Popovich. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the genius of why we think guys like Bill Belichick or Popovich or Joe Madden, those would be my three best coaches in each league right now. And it's just simply because of the way they interact with their players and the culture that they create. And uh, everybody knows where they stand. Everybody knows what their job is, what their job isn't. And um, at the end of the day, the coach takes responsibility. And they go out and draft and recruit players that they feel are going to fit into that culture. They don't go out and get the best available athlete and try to jam him in there. They say, hey, well, let's get to know this guy. And if the guy fits personality-wise, then they move him in there. And then they work with him quite a while. You know, Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Suns had a chance to draft him and drafted um, Markeith Morrison instead in that draft. Uh, there's an interesting reason why the Suns said they didn't draft him a couple years ago. But, you know, they didn't. he didn't have to come in and be the man. They let him kind of grow yeah. into that role. Even when he was really, really good, you know, it was almost like you had to beg them to talk about him because they were talking about Duncan and Ginobili and Parker who were the studs, but Kawhi would come out and light people up and people would go, man, this guy should play more. And they'd be like, no, he's good. He's playing 20, 25 minutes a game. Yeah. So I think you're right. I mean, as much as it pains anybody in Phoenix that's a Suns fan to give any type of happiness or success or shout out to San Antonio, uh, they've got to be the best organization. He's got to be the best coach in the game right now. Yeah, to not only be in the game, but to win the game by 39 without Parker and without uh, Leonard. That's just amazing. The guy who really stepped up last night, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, remember there was a lot of talk about how he hasn't been able to step up in the big games. They went out and spent all this money to uh, get Aldridge, and uh, he really hasn't done his thing. But last night he went out and scored 34 points, 12 rebounds. I think it makes the decision to go out and obtain LaMarcus Aldridge at the trade trade deadline was definitely, or the, as a free agent, definitely was uh, looking better after last night's game. Yeah, so this is this is number, I don't know, 192 on the long list of reasons Suns fans can't stand the Spurs. LaMarcus Aldridge, when he was a free agent, he was down to, between the Spurs and the Suns, and he went to the Spurs. Oh. And then he goes out in a game like this and goes 34-12 <laughs> and takes his team to the, to, the, yes. to the Western Conference Finals. Another guy, 
the Suns wanted to get, but then they interviewed him and they felt like he sweat too much during the interview and was too nervous. <laughs> so they didn't they didn't draft Kawhi Leonard. That's a literal story. Really? And it proved. He sweat through his suit and they thought, Oh, he's so nervous and he he sweats too much, he can't handle the pressure. So they pass on Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs draft him a couple of a couple of picks later. So yet wow. again, there's like five hundred reasons why the Suns fans hate the Spurs. They always get the better of us, but Aldridge is the most recent, probably. That is the most bizarre story. I had no idea that story, Pierce. I think you're scooping me on that. I have never heard that Kawhi Leonard did not get drafted by the Suns, partly in part due to sweating yeah. too much during his interview with them. You know, yeah, one of the Google things it. it was written. It was written. I'm sorry, real fast. It was written by Paul Coro, and it didn't get a lot of press because nobody knew if Kawhi Leonard was going to be any good or not. Oh, but he wrote wow. it. Why they passed? But it was it was Lance Blanks was the GM at the time. And he's no longer the GM for obvious reasons. <laughs> for obvious reasons. But, he's yeah, sweating somewhere, but, yeah. Yeah, but they passed on him because he was just, I was like, yeah, because he's 20 years old and he's getting interviewed by a bunch of uh, rich dudes who are going to offer him a contract. Like, right. of course he's going to be nervous. How yeah. does that have anything to do with what he could do on the court, you know? Hey, but from a sports medicine standpoint, one of the uh, markers of your athleticism or your aerobic capacity has been found that people who can control and regulate their body temperature quickly are in, typically in better aerobic conditioning. So one of the signs of being in really, really good aerobic conditioning condition is to be a heavy sweater because that's how you control and regulate your body temperature, right? So if well, you, control, you should have talked to the Suns a couple yeah. years ago. Now, obviously Could anxiety brings them. it out. And stuff, <laughs> but if you're a person who sweats typically in a, in a warm environment real quick, you want to control your body temperature. So you're, 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 you're sweating. You control your heart rate. You control your overall metabolism. So when you sweat, you lower your body temperature. Your heart rate comes down. You use less oxygen. So actually, a guy who sweats a lot is a good marker for aerobic uh, activity, aerobic capacity, we call it. So they should have uh, called Docs and Jocks. Yeah, they needed to know that. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, you know, that I think that was the seventh time that Greg Popovich has ended a playoff run for Mike D'Antoni. Six oh, or seven Oh, my time. gosh. you got to be tired of that. Most with the Suns, but, you know, so, yeah, no, we're all. Anyway, I, I find myself liking Popovich, though. I loved his comment after Game 5. Did you see that? The very first question he gets in there, the very first question he gets, they say, uh, Pop, could you, uh, could you exp- uh, talk to us about uh, Kawhi Leonard's injury? And he looks and he goes, ankle. <laughs> that's all he says. I'm like, yeah, I wish more that guy. So uh, he and Jerry Jones have opposite opinions on how to do Opp- sports medicine yeah. during uh, interviews. Jerry Jones, Doctor Jones, as we like to, you know, uh, la- not uh, likably call him, is uh, his uh, nickname because he always gives all the information possible about any sports medicine injury. Whereas Pop, ankle. That's it. That's what I know. That's what he got that's so far. Awesome. That's it. That's a that's a great one. Oh, well, you're getting for me. Hey, Ferris, mm-hmm. how do you explain this? Spurs now are five and zero in games this year where Leonard and Parker have not played. That is bizarre. So you take out two of their, arguably their two best players. I guess Lamarcus Aldridge may be ahead of uh, Parker on the list, but I've, Leonard and Parker out of the game five and zero. Oh. How do you explain that? That's just bizarre. It's one of the bizarre stats. I think it's what you talked about before. They just have a really good team and they have a team concept. Um, I mean, I, I I hate to be a like, oh, this team didn't come to play. They gave up. I hate to say that because yeah. that's a judgment on the team. But man, it really looked like the Rockets didn't want any part of that game. It really did. Yeah, it did. I don't know. And what I'm was going on. I don't know how that happens, but they just looked like they got kind of punched in the mouth in the first quarter and went, "Oh yeah, this is. We've had a nice season." Yeah, Leonard said, or I'm sorry, Harden said that he would take responsibility for the loss and it's due to lack of rhythm. So, yeah, something wasn't uh, rhythming there. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it was. Maybe to listen to some music or something, get some rhythm back. Hey, but Leonard is uh, going to be back for. He's announced he's going to be back for the Golden State uh, Western Conference Finals. So, man, that's going to be good. Spurs going against Golden State. Can a Parkerless Spurs 
uh, and a healthy Durant Golden State. Can the Parkland Spurs beat Golden State? We'll talk about that more here on uh, Docs and Jocks more as well. We'll also be having uh, Tony Bicknell coming up, Prep Baseball Texas, the CEO of that company. When we come back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine show, be right back. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. If you're just catching our sports medicine radio show for the very first time and want to find out more about our show, you can do that by going to docsandjocks.com. That's D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Or you can always listen to our show on iTunes, on our podcast, anytime, anywhere at your convenience. Maybe your city doesn't carry our a show on your local radio station. You can listen to us on iTunes by going to Docs and Jocks. D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe to Docs and Jocks. We'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. Hey, Ferris and Ferris uh, Potter is the, uh, my longtime co-host, voice of Grand Canyon University. Uh, we are honored to have on a, a great guest today. We're having on Tony Bicknell. He is the Texas Scouting Director for the Prep Baseball Report Texas. Toby, thanks for being on the show today. Dr. Dan Ferris, thanks for having me. Man, let me give our listening audience a little bit of Toby's background here. He's uh, not only a former collegiate baseball player himself, but he also then went on to become a coach with uh, Clemson, as well as Davidson, as well as United States Air Force Academy uh, baseball teams. He's been a recruiting coordinator for the University of Kentucky. He's been all over the uh, basically the baseball map as far as anything high school, college, baseball related. And uh, I thought today what we could talk about is, man, Toby, if you just look across the map, man, it seems like youth baseball has just taken off and your prep baseball report really looks for those great high school uh you know gems of star athletes coming up tell us a little bit about your baseball uh prep baseball report and what it does as far as youth baseball absolutely well you know prep baseball report started in 2005 in illinois um and uh it's grown since then obviously our number one priority is the scouting aspect uh we're boots on the ground grassroots scouting so whatever state we're in the state director and all the other scouts they live in that state they cover that state um so we're out at games year-round travel travel baseball games we're at high school baseball games right now in texas we're covering the high school playoffs yeah uh and we also have we also have one day events showcases where for a, a very small amount of money kids have the ability young players have the ability to come to an event get their video all of their stats all of their measurables profile picture everything goes up on our website and our website subscribed to by over 800 college coaches and scouts nationwide so when you come to an event or when we post something from a scouting standpoint on our website uh it's really broadcast to a large audience and so players have the ability to get a ton of traction and to create a ton of interest um from a recruiting standpoint not just in their states but also nationwide um when i was a recruiting coordinator i used pbr every day um, and the neat thing about it is you've got the ability to go in and let's just say, for instance, I'm at the Air Force Academy and I want to recruit the state of Texas and I can go through and I can go through the rankings and see who the top uncommitted players are in every class. I can click on their video. I can read all about them. I can look at their measurables, their stats, their height, their weight, their GPA, their ACT score. And now I can essentially go recruiting in Texas um, from my office, uh, from my home, just using my computer. And so now when I go to that state or I go recruit those teams, those travel teams during the summer, I know exactly who I'm going to see. So it allows college coaches and scouts to be a little bit more precise, a little bit more laser-guided with 
who they're watching and who they're going to see. You mentioned travel baseball, select baseball, and for those maybe who don't have sons uh, involved in travel right. baseball, tell our listening audience what has really happened over the last 10, 15 years with how baseball's evolved for these kids and how travel and select baseball is really kind of the next wave of great players in the Major League Baseball rankings. Absolutely. And so travel baseball um, has grown a ton, not just in the past 10 years, but the past 15 years, and, and it's grown even more so in the past five where – You've got travel teams all over the country that are bringing together top talent and they're playing in tournaments against each other, not just in their own communities, but also traveling to larger events nationwide. So as a college recruiter, you've got the ability to, during the summer, when you have more time to go recruiting and in the fall, you have the ability to go watch some of the best players from the best parts of the nation on great travel teams play each other, uh, you know, in a four or five day tournament. And so you get a lot you get a lot of information, um, but you also see a large number of players at one time. Uh, and it's a really, it's a really valuable resource. Um, and the travel coaches out there do a fantastic job. So you, they're getting year-round instruction. They're getting instruction all summer. Um, they're playing in tournaments that matter uh, where there's a championship. And so you now have an opportunity to kind of see kids compete, you know, uh, on a national level all over the country. Right. Yeah, Toby, you think that's why we're seeing that more often in college ball? I mean, the Coastal Carolinas have had a good program for a long time, but getting that key talent to win a championship. And then, some, you know, the good teams are always good. It seems like they just re- refuel. But we're seeing a lot of teams kind of come out of the woodwork, different areas in college ball, and have really good teams. Is it because of resources like you guys and the fact that they more kids are playing in those big tournaments? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a lot of different factors. Coastal Carolina has been good for a long time not just last year. Those guys obviously are great coaches, and you've got great college coaches yeah. all over the country, but you've also got recruiting coordinators um, and, and all assistant coaches in college that recruiting is everybody's job, you know, everybody, even sometimes down to the volunteer um, who's not allowed off campus, but they do on-campus recruiting, and they can also do research. So you, you've got a lot of different resources to find players now, um, even if it's not – seeing them and then knowing who they are sometimes i mean you obviously can use different resources like prep baseball report to find players find out who they are watch a video and now all of a sudden you can add that kid into your recruiting database you can contact his coach you can contact his high school coach and and so there's just a larger list Hey, we're talking to Toby Bignell. He's with uh, Prep Baseball Report, where he serves as a scouting director. And, Toby, uh, when you go to a tournament, you know, I'm sure people are uh, driving around and they have these kids at a lot of select tournaments, travel tournaments. When you go to a tournament and you're watching this whole group of good baseball players, you know, what do you watch for particularly? Obviously, you're watching some great baseball skills, but do you also look for attitude and effort? How much of a part does that play? It's huge, Dr. Dan, and, and that's a really good question. I think uh, – Along the same lines, it's, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, I know for me, one of, the, one of the most important things I was always looking for was you want kids that play hard. Um, and so during the summer in a four-day tournament or a three-day tournament or a week-long tournament, you know, when you're locking in on a position player, I mean, you're looking for a kid that plays hard every day, even if it's day five. Because those are the kids, as we know in college baseball, you're playing four or five games a week. You've got a couple of practices mixed in there. You're looking for kids that are competitive. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about youth sports is that uh, when you sit down and watch, you can see who's competitive. You can see who's, yeah. who's really getting after it day in and day out. Um, you know, the other things you're looking for just besides the skills is, you, you know, you're looking at projectability. You're looking at the body, the athleticism. Um, you're grading out arm action and glove skills and, you know, what the swing looks like. 
And as college coaches, you know, you're projecting earlier and earlier these days, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the guys, obviously the top recruiting coordinators and the top programs, they do a really good job of identifying that early. Um, and they've got certain things that they look for. And uh, they stick to that. And obviously those guys do a really good job. So. Right. Toby, are most, are most teams recruiting coordinators, and are they most are most of them looking for the same type of things, or are there a few teams in your experience, a few programs that seem to have a little bit more of an edge because they're looking for different things or or better things than others? That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know that I can answer that one fully, um, but what I can tell you is, if if you look across the board and the teams that are competitive year in and year out, they've got a formula for whatever that is. Um, you know, maybe that formula is, hey, when we're looking at pitchers, we're looking at guys that are this tall and are minimum velocity of this but can really spin a breaking ball. Or we're looking for guys that can sink the baseball and have fastball movement and life on the fastball. Um, you know, athletically, hey, we're looking for kids that can run. You know, or you know, you've got other teams that are, hey, we're looking for guys that can really hit. Um, and I think a lot of that depends on what position. Uh, I know at Air mm-hmm. Force we got to a certain point where – we were recruiting two types of position players. We were recruiting defenders that we were going to try to teach hit, or we were recruiting hitters that we were going to do a really good job of developing their defensive skills so that we could put them on the field every day. Um, and Absolutely. And so, you know, you've been at uh, Clemson, you've been at uh, Davidson, you've been at the Unif- United States Air Force Academy, and as well as Kentucky, so lots of different programs. So when you're, uh, when you're, when you're at these programs – Tell us how, as a parent and as a you know these young kids, because they want to play for teams like Clemson, like Davidson, like Kentucky. Is it prep baseball report? Is that the best way to get your information out to these coaches? Because it's very difficult, you know, trying to figure out do you send it directly to the coaches? You guys get inundated, I'm sure, as a recruit, recruiting coordinator with all these different uh, kids' bios, and there's a lot of good talent. But tell us what the best way if you're a parent listening to the show right now and you're talking to you. Is prep baseball report, is those types of programs the best way to get your information to coaches? Absolutely. Um, and, and the best part about it when you're a recruiting guy in college is we're a filter. We're just we're another resource. We're another filter that you know we're scouting and we're putting our information together. And then you have the ability to read our information, watch the video, and we have the ability to save college recruiters a ton of time. The other thing is, you know, from a parent's perspective, is when you bring a young man to an event, obviously they're getting a lot of traction out of whatever they do at that event. Um, and on top of that, press baseball report is state driven, so. We're not just here for one event or two events a year. We're watching games all year. And that goes in every state that Prep Baseball reports in, uh, whether it's in Ohio, whether it's in Indiana. Uh, For instance, when I got the job at Kentucky, when Coach Henderson hired me last, well, not last December, but uh, a good 18 months ago in December, one of the first things I did on the first day of the job was I called, I think it was eight Prep Baseball report scouting directors. Wow. And I said, hey, guys. I'm new. I'm in Kentucky. I haven't covered this area a bunch. I'm going to be bothering you. I'm going to be bugging you. And I'm going to be calling you, you know, once a week, once every two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, because you can use those scouting directors and prep baseball report as a resource to have a better idea of what's going on in your area, the area you're recruiting. 
Right, right. Hey, you mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to go back and touch on it. You mentioned, uh, you know, you do these measurables when they come to these, you know, showcase events the Prep Baseball Report puts on. And uh, talk to us about, one, why why do you look at certain measurables? Obviously speed, you know, you want fast guys. But I've seen things like grip strength, uh, broad jump. I'll talk about all the different measurables and how you're really recruiting an athlete because you can turn that athlete into a great baseball player. But if you're not a good athlete, it's very hard to become a good baseball player. Talk to us about those measurables and what you're looking for. Yeah, so, you know, the great thing about measurables is it's just one piece of the puzzle. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's it's a piece of the puzzle. And so you're looking at it and you're going, hey, this kid's a, this kid's a shortstop and he's throwing the ball 87, 88 miles an hour across the diamond in a workout, right? There's arm yeah, strength there. Right. So what does that tell us? That tells us that his arm, you know, even if it just stays the same, even though most guys improve their arm strength as they get older, this guy's got enough arm strength to play on the left side of the infield. Yeah. Um, for an outfielder, same thing. Hey, this guy throws it a ton from the outfield. He also pitches on his high school team. Hey, he's throwing 92-93 from the outfield. You know, maybe we ought to see if this guy has got the ability to um, to pitch a little bit more, right? Because the velocity's already in there. We know it's in there. And then you've got, you know, your exit velocity. And, and the exit velocity is important because it just kind of tells you how strong is that kid at contact. Um, because bat speed's going to win. Kids with bat speed, you can... You can do some things with, but they're going to hit the ball hard, and those balls are going to find holes. And then, obviously, the speed portion, you know, whether it's the 60 time or whether it's a home to first time, those are those are huge because the best thing about a stopwatch is the stopwatch doesn't lie. So, um, you know, it's not the, the 60 is not the end-all, be-all. There's plenty of kids that run a 7.060 that play a lot faster than that. And so when you see college coaches at games, they've, you know, all of them have a stopwatch, and they're usually timing guys from home to first. So oh, wow. you can run a six seven sixty, but if your home the first time is a four point five, you know that's not translating as well. Right, right. Ferris, yeah, Toby, you might not be able to answer this question. I mean, it might be a little difficult one, but of those measurables, are there some that you look at and go, "Hey, if you're not at this point, we probably can't advance the ball much further." And are there others you go, "Oh, that's a good starting point. We think with some work, we can get you up to where we need you to be by your junior senior year." I think that's an outstanding question, um, and it's one that every I, I think most college coaches are going to answer in their own way, um, depending on what they're looking for in their program. We've got some really great technology coming from Diamond Kinetics now uh, where we've partnered with them. So there's even some things that we can do from a swing standpoint at our Prep Baseball Report event to break down exactly all of your measurables within your swing. Um, and I can't get into all the particulars of what Diamond Kinetics does, but, for instance, launch angle – bat speed, uh, hand pass, Diamond Kinetics breaks all that down, and all of that information is now put into your profile, and you can look it up to see kind of where you rank. And there's some programs around the country, you know, when you start talking about technology and measurables, there's some programs around the country that look for specific things within a swing, uh, whether it is the launch angle, whether it is the hand pass, um, or whether it is the exit velocity. Well, hey, we're talking to Toby Bicknell with Prep Baseball Report, one of their scouting directors. And one of the things you mentioned, Toby, is that you're at all these different uh, select travel baseball events, but oftentimes people in the crowd, the players probably don't know you're there. Speak to us about how you really don't know who is in the crowd and you should be playing your hardest at all times, even like throwdowns between innings, those types of things. Absolutely. I know I know one of the things that, that, that I watch more than anything in travel games, sometimes they don't take in and out before a game. Yeah. Um, so – you're really watching kids between innings um, because that shortstop may only get one ground ball that day. Uh, you're watching the catcher throw down between innings, watching him throw to second base. You're watching the outfielders. How are they throwing between innings? You know, um, you want guys that are engaged. 
you want guys that are locked in on what they're doing. Um, but you never know who's watching. I mean, there's been plenty of times, and I'm sure other recruiting coordinators have stories about, hey, I saw this kid do this between innings. He was dialed in. He just looked like he was ready to go. I saw him get one hit. You know, one hit's not a ton, but it's a hit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other guys, I mean, the other one is watching guys on deck. Um, if you've already identified the two or three hitters that you really like on this team uh, that play certain positions that you're looking for, you know, you can really lock in on a hitter. He may walk, you know, three or four times in a game, but you're watching his on-deck swing. You know, what's he paying attention to uh, and, and what's his body language like? Yeah. Oh, great point. Hey, we've been talking to Toby McNeil with uh, – Prep Baseball Report. He's a scouting director in the Texas area. Hey, Toby, I want to say thank you for coming on, Docs and Jocks. I think you gave our parents and the young players that are listening to our sports medicine show a lot of great information. We'll have to have you on again real soon. Uh, best of luck. Dr. Dan Ferris, thanks so much. All right. He'll be right back thanks, with more Toby. Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you with us today. If you're just catching our show for the very first time, man, we'd love to have you part of our show any way you can. And we can do that on social media by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. There you can find out how to follow us on Facebook, uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. You can also listen to our show on iTunes, on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Just subscribe to us there, and we'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. Hey, I want to say thank you to uh, Joe Walker State Farm, Medical Diagnostic Imaging, as well as Lawrence Hall, Chevrolet, First Financial Bank, and Sylvan Learning Center, all great sponsors of Docs and Jocks, bringing you this segment here of your sports medicine radio show. Joined each week with my co-host, Ferris Potter. And Ferris, uh, man, I thought that was a very interesting interview with Toby Bicknell. You and I were saying off-air how we could interview those types of guys who are, I call them down in the trenches, man. They're looking for players, whether it's, we've talked to baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey, these guys down in the trenches looking at young youth sports, trying to find the next great Sidney Crosby, next Mike Trout, next LeBron James. Fun talking to those guys. We could do it all day long, couldn't we? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting to talk about the different measurables and metrics and things like that, because I think that that really comes into play for some, you know, smaller programs trying to build and things like that. I mean, We've talked about it before. You can probably walk on to a, a little league or, 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 or a club ball field or whatever, and you can just kind of hear. You can hear yeah, the, the sound of the that. bat and go, I ran out of time. oh, that guy is good. <laughs> and you probably, when you do the measurables, they all work out, right? Yeah. But you can also look at somebody else who's just not quite having that thwack of the bat and go, oh, by the measurables, I can tell why you're not doing that. If we change a couple of things, we can get you to sound like that. But yeah. there's you know, there's there's still something for putting your eyes on, on the kid, but those measurables like he's talking about it takes it takes such a great resource it, it it shortens your time yeah and focuses your recruiting so for colleges it's unbelievable a resource like that yeah there's several organizations like prep baseball report there's a baseball factory a perfect game uh, area code several of them that do those types of showcase events and also try and put you together a video so yeah now you're, you're seeing this more and more across young youth sports whether it's football basketball baseball i mean football uses huddle you know so you can put your videos on a certain program and then college coaches can watch it really easy it just tries to re- cut down on that recruiting time because you imagine a, a comp- you know a program like university of kentucky where he was the recruiting coordinator uh toby bicknell was i mean he's going to be getting inundated by you know parents sending him stuff but he just wants to have hey i want to see a great video that shows me all the highlights of this kid and how i can um, make a decision on him pretty quick and do i and the decision they're making is do i spend time and resources and money to go see this kid or do i move on to the next one that's a decision they're trying to make pretty quickly 
Yeah, or is that kid, you know, so so far above us that we're not going to get a chance at that kid, you know, if you're a college coach or something using that resource, and where do I focus my time? It's interesting. Baseball seems to be the best sport for that. It's always the most analytical and most numbers-driven, but, you know, every player has to throw. So the arm speed and the way they throw yeah. is, is important. In football, only one guy throws, Yeah, you know? I yep. mean, who could care less if the defensive back has a good arm or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's more about speed and power and acceleration and backpedaling and things like that, you know? But in baseball, everybody's got to swing and everybody's got to throw and everybody's got to be able to f- run. And yeah. so to break down those numbers in baseball, it seems, I'd be interested to see what those numbers that they look for in football are. More, more probably just the uh, speed and power and those types of things. Yeah, exactly. Hey, before Toby Bignell interview Ferris, you and I were talking about the uh, San Antonio Spurs and their upcoming game with the Golden State Warriors coming up. Hey, do you think a Parkerless uh, San Antonio Spurs, if, if we're going to say we're going to say Kawhi Leonard is going to be back full full tilt and healthy after his ankle sprain that kept him out of Game Six, but with uh, that stipulation, without a Parker uh, playing point guard, you got Patty Mills. Can they go in and beat a Golden State Warriors with the great Seth Curry with all the great players there in uh, in, uh, Golden State Warriors. I think they can, but everybody I talk to tells me I'm an idiot when I say that. (laughs) So I I mean, I I was asking, people are like, that's impossible. Like, so what's the over-under on how many games they can even win in the series? And they're like, they won't win more than two. So I'm like, is the over-under one and a half games really? That's all they can win? Yeah. And that's what it seems like everybody thinks. I mean, do you – I think they have a chance, though. But do, do you think they have a chance? Well, here's why I think they have a chance. And I always come back to the sports medicine angle. It's the sports medicine doctor in me that does this. I think uh, when I think we underestimate having Steve Kerr out with his back injury going up against Popovich. I mean, Mike Brown, I think, who's the backup. I could be wrong. He's, he's probably yeah, no, a fine him. coach. I think he took the didn't take the Cavaliers to a finals one year with yep. LeBron. So he's had a little experience. But when you say – who gets the edge, Popovich or Brown? I, I think it's like Mount Everest versus, you know, a, a bump in the road. I mean, it's, he's that good compared to other coaches. Right. So it gives him a big advantage not having Steve Kerr out there. And Steve Kerr, is, I think he's been there all year. So is he that much of a better coach than Mike Brown? Maybe. But the players have been playing for him all year. That You get a rhythm. You know, we talked about James Harden talking about, you know, having a rhythm to a game. A lot of that is determined by your game plan, which is determined by your head coach. So when you say they don't have a rhythm, I think uh, not having Steve Kerr out there is being undervalued as far as the importance to this game when you're taking Popovich against a Steve Kerr or a Steve Kerr's th- team. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if everything goes well for Golden State, I, I think they probably could care less who the coach is in, in some ways. But I think once you get that little, like, yes. like uh, you know, yeah. so, some, something goes wrong, Glitch you'll lose run. at home yeah. the first game. They steal game two. Something like that. Uh, somebody goes down with an injury. Then I think that's where, I mean, we look at it with the Cubs, right? Down 3-1. Yeah, right. And Joe Madden's going in interviews saying, I feel good about our team. We're playing really well. They're just beating us. But I, I have no problems. I'm not worried at all. And the guys go, oh, okay. Yeah, we're not worried. And then Jason Hayward, that leads him to that talk in the, in the, during the rain delay saying, hey, we're the best team on the floor, guys. But that was because Madden had that line. Yeah. So I think you're right. If they if they steamroll in two games in Golden State, it might be over before it begins. But I, dude, everybody I see, I think San Antonio has a, has a chance just because they're they're crafty. They got the big guys inside. Everybody yeah. they, they look at me like I got horns or something. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Hey, so here's another big uh, topic that comes up. So, uh, Kawhi Leonard doesn't play this last game because he rolls his ankle, so he's out. So they're now five and zero with him and Parker both being out during the season. So a lot of people are saying because Leonard 
uh, his presence isn't missed during games. He's not in. He should not be considered an MVP candidate because there's been talk that he's an MVP candidate this year because of his stats, because of his defense, because of his overall rebounding, and everything he does brings to the San Antonio Spurs. Does that argument hold water for you? I guess it depends on, on how you look at the MVP. I mean, if it's the best player in the league, then LeBron just gets it for the next, you know, for the last 10 years, <laughs> Never, the next 10 yeah. years, right? right. Um, if, it, if it's who's most important to their team, I mean, I don't see how you can't give it to a Westbrook because without him, I don't think they even win half those games. So, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it, it's almost though, like you almost penalize the kid because he's on a really good team that's got a lot of depth, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, I can, I mean, I can see that argument. You know, because yeah. he might not be the best, you know, he might not be the best player on the team if you look at LaMarcus Aldridge um, and, and that type of stuff. But, I, I, yeah, I, you, you, but you get you penalize the kid, the player. He's not a kid. You penalize the player because the team's just really good top to bottom. And we've heard that about about, um, you know, a lot of times in football, you'll say that, you know, about guys, you know, I mean, when Tom Brady goes out and Matt Castle wins 11 games one year. Everybody starts going, oh, Tom Brady's not that great. Well, we found out later he really was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard gets penalized for sweating too much during his uh, interview with the Suns, and he gets penalized for being break, on a really man. good team with the Spurs. He cannot catch a break. Man, poor guy. Except for he gets hardware. Yes, he does. He does, absolutely. Yeah, he plays on Popovich's team. He's a champ. Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of a guy uh, that's had a little bit of a bad press lately, Matt Harvey, the Mets' ace right-hander, he stays out until 2 a.m. enjoying the nightlife. He misses his team's curfew. dark cur- night. Yes. He uh, misses his uh, team curfew. Then he goes out the next day and golfs the next morning. Uh, when asked why he wasn't at the field house, a close friend tries to cover for him using a uh, – he has a migraine, and Harvey's out have a migraine while he's playing golf. And uh, so he uses a physical ailment to try and make up as an excuse for his uh, – uh, what would you call it, Ferris? Debauchery, maybe? Anyway, so he's he misses his uh, team curfew, misses his field house uh, training session. Harvey this year is 5.14 ERA, and he's 2-2, two two, so I think the Mets are getting a little thin with the uh, Matt Harvey story. So I thought what we could do, let me just, uh, we talk about performance-enhancing drugs all the time, right? So we talk about people getting busted and having to sit out for using steroids, which is a performance-enhancing drug because it increases, you know, your testosterone, which is a muscle-building uh you know, hormones. So let's talk about what alcohol is. You know, when we talk about alcohol and staying up till 2 a.m. in the morning, these athletes, a lot of them use it. We used to always hear the stories growing up of Mickey Mantle and, and Whitey Ford and Billy Martin hanging out and drinking all the time. Well, is it a performance enhancing drug or is it a non performance enhancing drug? The question seems kind of obvious, but let's just go through the data with it. Let's just look at a little scientific evidence. So here's what alcohol does to your system. First of all, it's a depressant, so it brings your mood down. The second thing is that alcohol lowers your energy, which is called ATP production. So your primary energy source that you use to repair muscle, ATP, it's lower with the use of alcohol. Here's a big one. Alcohol affects your deep sleep. So it results in a lack of growth hormone production. So we've heard people uh, injecting growth hormone. Remember uh, Ferris, Andy Pettit uh, got busted for using growth hormone. Yep. And he said he used it to try and recover from an injury he had had. So he injected it. was found, you know, we know that growth hormone helps repair muscle and it, helps build muscle, decrease your uh, lean body mass, or increase your lean body mass. And so alcohol decreases your sleep, which is when you make growth hormones. So you get less growth hormone if you take alcohol and sleep poorly. Alcohol impairs your liver, and it causes a release of a chemical that impairs your testosterone release. So remember we talked about testosterone being a performance-enhancing drug well, or hormone? 
you can also lower that testosterone levels by doing certain things and having a liver enzyme kick in that causes your testosterone level to be lower is one of the things that alcohol does so it decreases your performance alcohol slows your respiration when you drink alcohol heavily you breathe slower it also affects your body temperature maybe that's why Kawhi Leonard uh, maybe he needed some alcohol during that interview we're sweating with the suns and didn't get drafted <laughs> by him <laughs> I'm just joking and it also increases your risk for dehydration we talk all the time about how if you're a little bit dehydrated studies show two to five percent dehydrated Ferris that's very little that your uh, athletic performance goes down, your reaction time. So alcohol makes you become dehydrated quicker, so it impairs your athletic ability that way. All of these things decrease your aerobic function because you don't have enough. If you're dehydrated, remember, you're trying to get oxygen and red blood cells that carry oxygen to muscles really fast to be able to continue exercising. That's aerobic capacity, and uh, alcohol decreases that. It also slows your cognition and motor function, so your reaction time is decreased. Well, what sports? It's about being quick and having a quick reaction time, right? Yeah. So it also makes it very difficult to learn new information and recall information quickly. So a pitcher who's trying to remember what he did to the last batter, who's been impaired on alcohol, doesn't do that very well. And remember, if you just drink five drinks in one night, it does these cognitive motor uh, impairments. It does them for almost three days sometimes. So no, the answer is no on alcohol. Is it performance enhancing? No. Should an athlete be using alcohol during the season on a routine, heavy basis? Answer is no, just from a no. scientific standpoint. So when you see a guy out till 2 a.m. who's uh, hungover enough that he can't make the team meeting in the morning, it not only decreases his ability right then. It de- well, you say, well, he's a pitcher. He doesn't have to pitch for another couple of days. Well, if you drink heavy, you can do it for three days. So you're not only missing those workouts, which you would have been in, and not performing well, you're missing, you're imp- impairing your start, which is going to happen in a few days too. So just it's just the opposite of what you need to do to be a great athlete. There's no place for alcohol and becoming drunk and being a good athlete. So Matt Harvey sets not only a terrible example to young kids for that reason, he also just sets a very terrible example for his teammates because he's decreasing his athletic ability during the season. So the fact that they held him out of a game, suspended him, I'm all for it. Yeah, the Mets are a bit of a train wreck up there. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Harvey's a train wreck in his own right. And I, it's funny, I don't know where he got this. You know, he, he, he had a really good ERA a couple of years, but he, he's got this, like, people talk about him, like, in the same sentences as you do Max Scherzer and Zach yeah. Grinke. And he's not that good. Here's he's what 31 I always, and 30 and over the, the course of his career. Ferris does a show called Fa- Fantasy Baseball Rap. And, by the way, if you haven't – been to his website or listened to his podcast, Fantasy Baseball Rap. It's also be heard on uh, the Fanatic in Phoenix. It is a great show, but you know you don't ever hear when you're doing fantasy baseball. And remember, fantasy baseball guys who are doing that only look at numbers, right? We just look. We don't yeah. care who Matt Harvey's what his reputation is, or he's supposed to be a great pitcher. We just care what his numbers are. You never hear about him talked in the elite of the fantasy baseball pitchers being talk, picked in the first round. His name doesn't even come up. I mean, am I wrong on that? No, it doesn't. They always project him like, oh, he could be, could he be. should be, yeah. he this. But at the end of the day, and he, I, I think he gets drafted too high and he even gets too much, you know, too much for what people, people, uh, you know, give him. But yeah. you look at his numbers and yeah, he had some good years early with some low ERAs, but he was like 13 and eight was his best season, you yeah. know? So I, look, I agree with you. I mean, it, Drinking a beer after the game is kind of, I mean, we'd see pictures of guys in the clubhouse smoking a cigarette and drinking yeah. a beer, you know, yeah. back in the 70s and 80s. But I think we're seeing most guys change that and realizing, hey, that's not the best thing uh, for me to do. But, yeah, I think Matt Harvey's in it. He's in an interesting spot here 
with all the issues he's had with his poor performance in the World Series, he had a good performance when he gave up the last run, and now with his performance since the last year, couple years, I mean, he's in danger of pitching himself much lower in the category of stud pitchers and pitching himself out of a big contract. Yeah, because you remember we had the whole story, too, about it, all no collateral ligament, the Tommy John, you know, was he going to limit his number of pitches and not play in the playoffs? Remember, that was a big deal, too. So, man, yeah. there been a lot of Matt Harvey stories, and none of them really big good PR for him as far as no. that goes. Hey, remember the alcohol stuff I'm talking about, too? That's what we're talking about in the short term, you know, how it doesn't make you a better athlete. But that doesn't even talk about the long-term chronic changes you see if you drink alcohol for an extended period of time. Mickey Mantle, and uh, one of the great baseball players of all time, had he said himself, his career was shortened because of his alcohol and his and his alcohol dependence. He thinks he would have played much longer and much better had he taken care of himself and lived healthier, and he wished he wouldn't have done that at the end of his life. So if the great Mickey Mantle, who everybody kind of uh, glorifies because of his hard partying and all those types of things uh, early in his career, if he at the end of his life says those things uh, weren't appropriate, then I think we ought to take heed to that. I think we're going to see what Mickey Mantle could have been in about 15 years with Mike Trout. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mike Trout is the next Mickey Mantle. Great point, Ferris. Hey, you're listening to Sports Medicine Radio Show, Docs and Jocks. Hey, stay tuned here with us. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio today. Man, great to have you with us. If you're just catching the show for the very first time, want to find out more about your sports medicine radio show, you can do that by going to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and there you'll find out how to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. You can also go to our iTunes podcast and subscribe to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and be part of our show that way. Listen to it anytime, anywhere. In fact, one of the great ways I listen to a, a lot of great podcasts that I enjoy, I listen to them uh, traveling to uh, travel baseball, select baseball, select volleyball with my kids. So it's a lot of fun. I use that time to try and uh, improve myself educationally and learn something about some uh, other great uh, athletes and other great individuals who are doing their thing out there. And so you can do that by listening to Docs and Jocks on at your convenience at D-O-X-N-J-O-X if you happen to be traveling that weekend and don't catch us on your local radio station. Hey, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, and our sponsors for this segment are West Texas Neurosurgeons, Dr. Trammell, Dr. Brown, and Dr. Edelman. Could not do our show without our wonderful co-hosts or our wonderful sponsors, and really appreciate what West Texas Neurosurgeons do and uh, their help uh, bringing you this segment. Hey, don't forget, at the end of this segment, we're going to have on our Mental Strength Minute with Miss Tracy Munton, and uh, we'll have her coming on talking about the edge mental strength and uh, what she can do to help improve your overall uh, ability to be, em, enhance your game using your mental strength and mental capabilities. Man, it's a great way to try and uh, improve your overall athletic performance by uh, using that edge of how you use your mental strength to improve your athleticism. Hey, Ferris, I thought we could uh, – Ferris uh, is my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University, and we had talked about Matt Harvey and uh, his uh, issues with uh, staying out too late, getting suspended, and the effects of long-term alcohol use. And So I don't think we need to revisit that. But also, man, the New York Mets have also had now – their closer goes down with a vascular clot in the right shoulder. And he is seeking an expert opinion with Dr. Robert Thompson, a cardiovascular expert in the St. Louis area with Washington University who has expertise in this area. So I thought we could talk about – what the heck uh, that would mean uh, in Familial's arm. And Jerice Familial uh, is, is been a good closer. He throws hard. 
He yeah. has a uh, now has a clot in his shoulder. You and I have talked to uh, some of the leading experts on what's called thoracic outlet syndrome. You might remember uh, we had an interview with a Baylor University uh, Medical Center expert, uh, thoracic outlet. Dr. Pearl is a thoracic outlet expert there at Baylor University Medical Center here in Dallas. Sees a lot of professional athletes. In thoracic outlet, remember, as after the nerves and vessels come out of your neck and they're going, getting ready to run down into your arm, there's a uh, vein your subclavian vein and there's a big artery that runs through that area as well and those arteries and veins they run through your thoracic outlet and at times they can become crimped or pinched some people have a high riding first rib or have a first a cervical rib or have a high riding rib some people have a, a muscle in their neck called their scalene muscle which is right there with the base of your neck where it ties into kind of your clavicle area other people have a uh, uh, one of your pec muscles your pec minor muscles will come up and where it attaches, it kind of crimps on the nerves and the vessels. So there's lots of different areas in your thoracic outlet where the nerves and the blood vessels get crimped. If it does it repeatedly and the vessels uh, start getting, you know, uh, loss of blood flow through that area routinely, anytime that blood sits for too long, it can clot very easily. And when it clots easily, then it becomes a problem and you get a, a thrombosis is the medical term for a clot. And it can have be it can be really really dangerous. Obviously, if you can't move oxygenated blood into your arm and then get it out through the vein and get it back out so it can go back to your heart, get recirculated, reoxygenated with your lungs, and then it gets pumped back to your arm. And if you don't have that series of events happening, things can go really bad, really wrong, really quick. And so that's what we're seeing with familial right now. He's going to undergo a surgery to try and open up that thoracic outlet space where his blood vessel is getting crimped. And now they've found that he has a clot in his arm. And what happens is they'll get a, oftentimes get a, a swollen arm. Their arm will start swelling because if you can't move blood out, if the vein is starting mm-hmm. to clot, you know, you can't move it out. They'll get a discoloration of their arm. They'll get a very painful shoulder and arm. Anytime they try and throw, they'll become dis, uh, very, very uncomfortable. It can be very uh it can be very not life-threatening in that case. I guess it could be, but it's more uh, threatening to the appendage that you're trying to move the blood flow in and out of. In his case, his throwing arm is right arm. But, man, the Mets have had some bad luck, man. You lose your closer. you got Matt Harvey goofing off over here doing his own thing and showing up late and not showing up to the field house for treatments and getting suspended. The, the, it is a little bit of uh, craziness going on, chaos going on uh, in the New York Mets pitching staff. Oh, definitely. The, the entire Mets team has in is in some uh, bits of chaos here and there but you know we asked you this when you were on uh, the fantasy baseball wrap with darren and i and i'll ask you now here on on your on your show every uh, one show. of the mets pitchers have been hurt you know yeah. everyone's been hurt it, it do you look back now and go it's bad luck or do you say they might want to think about how they do their pitching programs on season off season they might want to think about how they train their kids because a lot of these guys came up through their minor league yeah. organizations at some point. There were, yeah. there were trades for some of these guys, but I, I believe they all at some point entered into the Mets organization in the minor leagues, yeah. whether they were AAA guys or AA. You know, yeah, I know Matt, Syndergaard, all those guys. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they came up. I think I think there was a trade for some of those guys, but they got into the minors. Yeah. So do, do you step back and go, we got to look top to bottom, soup to nuts on this because – Every one of our pitchers has been injured at some point, and they've been different injuries. Yeah, no, I think absolutely the answer is uh, yes. I mean, if if they're not going to do it themselves, the sports medicine team, I guarantee the guys who are in charge of the sports medicine team, who, general managers, those types of people who are looking at the club, they're doing it for them. So you, these, these are the types of seasons that as an athletic trainer, as a team physician, 
as a uh, sports medicine specialist, these are the kind of seasons where you start getting a little nervous. We call it the pucker factor. You know, it's not just in the coaches <laughs> realm that you get the pucker factor, but when you start having multiple injuries to your entire staff, you start saying something we're doing may not be right. And there is a combination of bad luck, bad timing. Maybe it's the personality of the player. You can give a lot of good sports medicine advice, medical advice to players who are on your team. It does not mean they necessarily follow that advice. Also, when you give them an opinion, oftentimes players will go seek a second opinion from somebody else. So it's very difficult. Remember, we live in an open democracy where you don't have to go to a certain physician. You can go see your own physician. So there's, there's a lot of different pieces that fall into how a team gets into a trend of having multiple injuries. But, yeah, when you see an entire staff going down with injury after injury, you start worrying about is there something we're doing as a club that isn't falling into the way we need to take care of these athletes so that we don't have multiple recurring injuries to our entire pitching staff. And to your point, when you have all those variables, it's hard to diagnose. So I don't even know how you would really do that. But, you know, you've got UCL, you've got strains, you've got lat tears, you've got... I mean, this is just uh, bad luck with familial. I mean, you've got got a clot in your shoulder. So, yeah, I just... It's interesting. They've got a lot of injuries. Uh, even Conforto, some of their players, position players, have been getting injured. Yeah. Um, so you, I don't know. It'd be Who hard. It? It'd be hard to verify and figure out why. But yeah. Well, we know. Uh, I think Degrom. He had. Was it Degrom who had the lat the latissimus dorsi injury, the the lat strain? I believe that was Degrom. No, Syndergaard ripped his Syndergaard. right lat. Has, oh, okay. Has a tear in his lat, yeah. so he might be out like sixty days or something. Yeah, that's you know? up around the shoulder too. So then you got familial with the uh, thoracic outlet vascular injury. Really, honestly, I don't think there is a way to necessarily prevent that unless you're having your guys do really heavy weightlifting, which promotes you getting rounded forward in your shoulder posture. Remember, thoracic outlet, your thoracic outlet is a space that runs from your neck to your shoulder. So if you do things that make you hunch forward, you know, when you see elderly people and they're kind of hunched forward, we call that thoracic kyphosis, that positioning makes that worse. And so anything that pulls you forward is worse. So let's say you did heavy, heavy bench, uh, heavy shoulder raises in the front that works your anterior delts, everything that works on the front of your chest that makes those muscles strong, which a lot of guys do, by the way, because that's what guys do. They want to have big shoulders. They want to have big chests. Yep. And you do absolutely know, remember, in every muscle group, there's an agonist and there's an antagonist. So for every, if you're going to strengthen the front of your chest, you also need to strengthen the antagonist, which are the muscles in the back. You know, those are your, those are your uh, rhomboids, your big traps that pull your shoulders back. So you need to be doing things like scapular rows, shrugs with your, you know, rounding your shoulders back to where you're trying to pull your shoulder blades together. If you're going to be doing a ton of front of your chest, you need to be doing a ton of back as well. So remember, you always want to work both groups, not just one group and the other. That's a good way to get injury. So if familiar, and I don't know the Mets program, but if they're doing a ton of bench press, which is kind of odd, you don't usually do that a lot on pitchers, but if they're doing a lot of front of the chest stuff but no arch and no uh, back type exercises – that could make it more likely to get like a thoracic outlet syndrome type injury. But, you know, that's kind of far-fetched. You might have just solved it right there because remember a couple weeks ago when Harvey didn't pitch well, he said he was tired from a weightlifting program he had done the day before. (laughs) Yeah, that was. Uh, was We were like, how in the world, why would you do, if you're pitching on a Thursday, why would you do a heavy lift on a Wednesday? And you talked about your son, the fact that he knew not to squat when he was going to catch three games in two days or whatever. But Harvey evidently did this heavy lifting program, so you know, um, it would be interesting to look at that and see how they do do their in-season lifting and training. And it's it's different in everybody. I can tell you this. Uh, I was reading an article this weekend, and we were my son's uh, in the state playoffs here in Texas. He's playing the Texas baseball 
uh, state playoffs. And his team was playing another team, and I was reading about this other team. I was reading the articles that they had written, and there was one about their coach, and their coach said, to try and increase our intensity and make the players understand that they need to be ready for game day and come out ready. We make them lift the morning of any game so that they know that they are ready to go, and, and when they step on the field, they're, uh, they're going to be in the game mindset. I'm like, wow, man, so pushing heavy resistance the day of a game. You know, there is a time and a place for that. I don't, And it's all kind of position-related, too. Would you want your catcher doing a lot of squats on game day? I don't think so because you're going to be sore. You're going to be – remember, muscles use up things that are necessary to make them fire quickly when you do heavy lifting. So, you know, you take creatine. You've heard of creatine as a supplement. Creatine allows yep. your muscles to take in – muscle energy that is stored in the muscle. So if you use up that bank of stored energy, you, you have to have some time to replace it. So if you do heavy squats the day of your event where you're going to be doing, you know, 100, no, a catcher probably does 500 squats in a game. That's not smart. If you're a pitcher and you're lifting the day you're going to pitch overhead activities, that's probably not a good idea either. So I understand yeah. his mindset. If we want our players to understand they need to be in shape and need to be working out. But heavy resistance training on game day, I don't know, man. It's, it's all of what he was doing and what type of player he was doing it to and what level of intensity they were at. And so I'm, I'm guessing I'm giving that coach the benefit of the doubt that he was looking at the intensity. He was making sure it was the right lifts for the right positions. But does a high school team really have a strength and conditioning coach that is that in tune with what's going on with their players? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I'm and I'm questioning whether the Major League Baseball has a strength and conditioning coach. To <laughs> tune up. I, it, it's just interesting. It's always evolving. It's always, you know, I mean, like we always say, 30 years ago, guys didn't lift in season or out of season. Now they lift in, out out of season and in season. You yeah. know, so it's always changing, and you're always trying to adapt. I think the problem is when you get guys who say, "Oh, this is the program you should follow," and and this is it. You know, yeah. well, no, take in some new information. See, I I just think maybe the Mets are snake a bit in a sense, but. There's so many injuries going on up there. You you got to look at it at some point and say, hmm, maybe we need to maybe we need to rethink the way we're doing things. Even if we can't pinpoint why, maybe we should look at what other teams who don't have the injuries. How do they do it? Yeah. And if there's a difference there, maybe we, you know, because these guys all, I mean, they're competitors, but all these trainers go to the same meetings over the winters and they all talk about how to better train their athletes and how to do you know get the most out of their athletes and keep them safe and everything. So. They're, they're, typically, there's nothing that they don't know about, you know, what the other guys are doing. I'm going to give you a little uh, sports physiology 101, Ferris, and you answered the question, was it a good idea to work out heavy weight with Matt Harvey the day before he pitches? So the reason you do resistance training is that you want to tear muscle down. You want to tear muscle slightly, and so that when your body heals that, and it takes about, and we're all a little bit different, it takes anywhere from the quickest you can do it is 24 hours. That's, that's why you take anabolic steroids because it improves that healing process, drops it down about 24 hours. But it, it, typically the usual human being is about, about 48 to 72 hours before you heal that. And the reason you want to give it that time is that your body, when it repairs that muscle, it lays down those good proteins that it makes the muscle get bigger. It's called hypertrophied. And so if you break muscle down, let it heal over 48 to 72 hours, the muscle fibers individually get bigger, and then collectively that muscle group then is stronger and can take, take more weight. So with doing resistance training on a pitcher 24 hours before he pitches and he's sore the next day, from a sports physiology standpoint, knowing that it takes 48 hours to heal the muscle and then get the gains from that lift, does that make sense to you? 
I would say no, but I have heard you can cut that time significantly if you have a six-pack, right? If you have a couple <laughs> yeah. beers. You have a couple beers. Cut that yeah. Well, I've seen the commercials, Matt and apparently, uh, you know, if you drink an ultra or a light beer, and, you know, you jog and then drink it with your friends afterwards, that it, it looks like a health drink. And so, that yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's not right. It is not a health drink. It's the other thing about Matt Harvey. It wouldn't shock me if that's an out-and-out lie. I mean, because we know that the guy lies, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can flat out say yeah. he, he lies because he admitted that he lies. He t- yeah, he said uh, he had a migraine. We're not, we're, yeah, yeah, we're not we're not seeing anything that's not true. It would not shock me if that wasn't out of lie that he didn't have a heavy lifting. He's just making an excuse because he yeah. seems like he's kind of gotten unfortunately. But I would say that the point to the story is know why you're doing an exercise, the purpose of it, why you're wanting to make yourself do that exercise. If you understand understand the under re, underlying reason of why you're doing it, it can make sense or not make sense. So. That's what we do here on Docs and Jocks, help you try and figure that out. Hey, when we come back, we'll be talking to Harden Simmons baseball player Tony Beasley. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks. The great basketball coach, Mike Chichesky, also known as Coach K, has a great Twitter account known as Coach K Wisdom. One statement he recently tweeted was, Regardless of your circumstance, the one thing you can always control is your attitude. It's up to you to be positive. One thing we always discuss with the athletes we work with is learning to control the controllable. Many athletes waste a lot of energy dealing with things they cannot control. But as Coach K has pointed out, no matter what is happening in a game, the athlete can always control his attitude, and it needs to remain positive. For most athletes, this can be an extremely difficult task. But through various techniques and lots of practice, athletes can learn to stay positive, focused, and upbeat, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Learning this can help the athlete not only in his game, but can also aid him in moving up to the next level of play and in getting noticed by coaches who see his self-discipline and control. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about remaining positive and controlling emotions, you can contact The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming to you live from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. Man, if you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out about your sports medicine radio show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Man, we'd love to have you be part of our show any way you can. One of the ways you can do that's really simple is by going to iTunes and clicking and subscribing on Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. So do that and you can listen to our show anytime, anywhere. I want to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors, including Abilene Sports Medicine Orthopedics, Dr. Spunk, Dr. DePraying, and Dr. Maroney for being uh, wonderful sponsors, as well as Abilene Tech. Man, we couldn't do our show here without our great sponsors. If you want to find out how to be a sponsor, go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. My host, co-host each week is Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, I thought we could uh, start talking a little bit. I know it's uh, not football season. You want to try and go in a whole show doing baseball and basketball. But, man, the Dallas Cowboys just found out this week that uh, their Jalen Smith, who is their linebacker, who they got in the late rounds last year, who was really a first-round pick. They got him uh, because he had a nerve injury that caused his foot to be floppy after uh, having, uh, having a knee injury. And uh, his foot was flopping. Every time he'd pick his foot up, his toe would point down. He couldn't bring his foot up. 
and he is now playing with an ankle foot orthoses, but his strength has gotten better, and he's practicing full-time with it. So the Dallas Cowboys, who need some good news on defense this year, if they're going to be really good with uh, Zeke and Dak Prescott on offense, they need a good defense. They went out heavy and drafted a lot of defensive players. They get some good news with the Jalen Smith story, so hopefully he'll be back and ready to go for the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to have the kind of season everybody's predicting them now? they got a lot of expectations. Last year, not a lot of expectations. This year, a lot after picking up uh, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott doing their thing last year no I don't think they will again I, th- I think it's so hard to do that and have that consistency you look at the Arizona Cardinals I know you're a fan out in my neck of the woods two years ago great year and everybody thought oh the Cardinals are going to get back to the NFC championship and did it and they just had a down year they didn't play well they had some injuries but mainly they just didn't play well you know yeah um for whatever reason and I don't know why you think it is it seems like in every sport maybe less in basketball NBA there's a sophomore slump almost all the time. We're seeing a lot of these stud shortstops in baseball just having a sophomore slump this yeah. year, you know. Uh, and football seems to be the same. It seems like that second year people just kind of figure you out a little bit. And I don't know if it's a pressure or what, but it wouldn't shock me if they didn't have a slump. Now, the good thing about them is I don't think their running back will have a slump because you hand the ball off and run the ball. If you have a good line, you're going to be fine. But yeah. I, I don't know how Dak can play as well as he did last year. That was I mean, incredible. If he knew that, oh, my goodness, would. yeah. He was incredible. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of your Arizona Cardinals, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest all-time uh, receivers, will go down to the Hall of Fame as a, a surefire Hall of Famer. And Do you think this is going to be his last year? They're talking about him and Carson Palmer possibly going out together, riding out in the sunset after this year. Is that the, is I that think the word so. in Arizona? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done it all. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He was close, you know. Um but I think he's just kind of ready to go. You know, I think it comes a time. He's got a lot of other interests. I mean, football's obviously his main thing, but he's a guy who does a lot of it, travels a lot, of those types of things. I could see him on, you know, doing broadcasting, or I could even also see him be a guy who just drops off in the offseason and just, you know, just goes and does his stuff. So I think he's just, he could still do it, but I think just the amount of time to prepare and get the body ready because he's a workout fiend. Mm-hmm. He might, he's saying, he's, he's saying he wants to be done. I mean, we'll see. But he's saying he wants to There is talk it might be Bruce Arians. You know, they, they're not oh, saying wow. a lot, but just with all, with all the health concerns yeah. and things. Last year he missed games with a fluttering heart rate and things like that. I think his wife is like, Bruce, let's, you know. Yeah. So if they have a great year this year, and, you know, uh, it could be. But Bruce will probably be back. But I think those two are going to be. Carson Palmer and, and, and uh, Fitz will probably go out together. little trivia on uh, Larry Fitzgerald as far as sports medicine trivia. So we've talked about on, on air before how the importance of your hand-eye coordination uh, Larry Fitzgerald, because he, I believe it was his aunt, who was a sports opt- optometrics uh, specialist, so she taught people how to use their eyes, how to do convergence, divergence, um, not only your, your visual acuity, which is your 20-20 scale, but also depth perception and those kind of things. She was a pioneer in that field, and huh. she taught her little nephew, Larry Fitzgerald, about visual training and how you work on it because he had what's called um, convergence insufficiency. In other words, your two eyes have to track together on an object moving at you. They have to move towards the midline to track it as it's coming at you, right? Well, think of a, a football wide receiver. Football. That's a ball coming at you. You have to converge on it quickly, get your hands yeah. in the right place based on where your eyes are telling your brain to put your hands. And so Larry Fitzgerald was, as a young man, that's one of the things he attributed to his success as a football player was the fact that he did sports uh, optometrics or sports training for his eyes. And one of the programs that we here at uh, Docs and Jocks offer people here in the Abilene area, our show is out of the big country area in in, uh, the central West Texas area, but we offer Visual Edge, which is a program that does just what we're talking about. You you basically get a package. You, You 
purchase a package, and on that package, it then allows you to do these training sessions with Visual Edge after you've done an evaluation. So you first find out where you're at because you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you started. You find out what your eyes are doing and what they're what you're able to do and what you're not able to do, and then you start the training program and you see how much you improve. And it works on depth perception, convergence, divergence. Uh, hand-eye coordination, uh, reaction time, all those types of things. But if you ever want to find out more about that, you can uh, either contact us here at d1abilene.com or you can contact us at visualedge.com, V-I-Z-U-A-L, edge.com. So it's vision with a, I'm sorry, it's visual with a Z, V-I-Z-U-A-L, edge.com. But it's a great program, Ferris. And Larry Fitzgerald, one of the guys you were talking about with the Arizona Cardinals, attributes his success as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time due to training with his eyes. And uh, he was just kind of lucky to be involved with a family member who did that, if I read the story correctly. I hope he bought his aunt a house or something. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Grief, yeah. man. Yeah. But it that, is those that, kind of yeah, things that kind cool. of are – you read stories about these guys who are great athletes. Everybody thinks, oh, Larry Fitzgerald can catch a football from a young age. Well, maybe not, man. If he would have never – been introduced to training for his eyes, he probably would have always had a convergence insufficiency and not been able to be as great a wide receiver as he is now. But that's kind of a cool sports medicine trivia. I mean, you mentioned his name, it made me think about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you will retire too because one thing that Fitz has done that I think is so amazing is he's caught like touchdown passes from like 800 different quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. the Cardinals yes. went through all these quarterbacks oh, who played for like three games, you know. I mean, these were bad quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think he's he's more saying I'm going out with Carson because I don't want to catch passes from somebody else. Now, <laughs> if they like toward the end of this year, if they not draft a quarterback, but if somehow Aaron Rodgers decides he wants to play for them, he'd probably come back. But yeah. outside of something crazy like that happening, unless Blaine Gabbert, who they just signed, looks like he's going to be the heir apparent and is awesome. I just think he's tired of catching passes from you know, backups and has-beens and never were, never going to be. Didn't you tell me a story one time he was on the sidelines, a story about him yelling, we have a quarterback, we have a quarterback? Wasn't that you that told me that story? He, yeah, they got they got Carson Palmer uh, from the, the Raiders, uh, and then that first, I think it was the first uh, preseason game, the first drive, they drove down, and he threw, he, Carson threw him a beautiful touchdown pass, and Larry's like on the sideline going, we got a quarterback, we got ourselves a quarterback. He was screaming. <laughs> I mean, this guy, if you look, look him up, I don't have it in front of me, but the the number of guys he has caught a touchdown pass from he's had some greats Kurt Warner a Hall of Obviously, Famer yeah. Carson Palmer probably not a Hall of Famer but a very 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 good quarterback well, people forget how good he was he had the great, with the Bengals before he hurt himself he had the great you know? Matt Leinart yeah, Matt Leinart <laughs> he threw a nice ball <laughs> yeah, but yeah it's one joking. of those guys he had guys like Max Hall and Logan yes. Thomas I mean good yeah. these are guys you like that was a pro quarterback yeah he's, he's been through a That's lot of they were reminds running me, out there reminds me of the song there's a song out there right right now it's uh, i think it's called uh, uh brown suck and it's a song and it just goes through <laughs> all nice. the quarterbacks <laughs> that the browns have had and like when they large start listening to them in the song they start listing all of them you're like oh i forgot about that guy and that guy and that guy it's crazy but yeah no the cardinals have definitely had a long string of quarterbacks and a lot of it is because of different injuries to different people as well so you know, some of it's partly uh, drafting, just part luck and part injury. Sports medicine you always know, plays a part. They're gonna they're gonna put uh, they're gonna put Jim Jim Hart, I believe it is, in oh. the uh, in the Ring of Honor. Are they really? I love Jim yeah, Hart, man. One of the greatest yeah. quarterbacks back in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. Jim Hart was the quarterback. He was a quarterback for the St. Louis Cardinals when they had Conrad Dobler and uh, who else was all on that team? Uh, 
uh, Dan Deardorff, Pat Tilly, yeah. Mel Gray, Terry Metcalf, some of the Cardinals of old. He was a quarterback for them. That's back when they played the Dallas Cowboys. It seemed like every Thanksgiving they played the Cowboys, and it was always like a just a tough, tough game. Oh, that's yeah, it was a tough game they fought. And then, and then um, they also, you know, they had Neil Lomax, and this is an injury thing. Neil Lomax was a really good quarterback for them, and of course he had the. He had the hip issues and things like that, you know. Yeah. And that 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 shortened his career, but right. he was another guy who was going to be, you know, was a very good quarterback for them, you know, and just just shortened his career and could never could never quite get it together again. But yeah, the Cards, I mean, you got to have a quarterback to win. Yeah. And uh, we saw what happened when they went down when Palmer went down last year, uh, two years ago. Uh, you know, nobody could get the job done. You know. Hey, Ferris, uh, Hawk or Crack producer here. He was all over it. He's uh, Larry Fitzgerald. How many quarterbacks do you think he's had in his career with the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, I said 800. <laughs> Is that high or low? It's a little bit high. It's a 12, but still, that's a lot. It's yeah, almost... let me let me let me read you some of the names. Uh, Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer, very good. Yeah. Josh McCown, okay. John Skelton, Kevin Cole or Cobb, Matt Liner, Derek Anderson, Brian St. Pierre, Max Hall, Richard Bartell. John Navarro, who? Sean King. Max Hall. Who's Max Hall, man? I didn't know there's a guy in the Max <laughs> Hall was a kid from BYU who came down here, and he was really short, undersized, but he ran around scrappy, and then later on he got popped for uh, drug drug abuse and stuff like that after he was out of the league. But, nice. I mean, the, the bottom, the bottoms of those guys, the bottom of that list is just like, I mean, I really you could say Matt Lander, but Derek Anderson, he was okay. Brian St. Pierre, Max Hall, Richard Bartell, John Navarre, and Sean King. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I'm telling you, it's a it's a tough uh, road to hoe if you're a wide receiver in the NFL and you got to put on a team that doesn't have a good quarterback. You know, we talked, uh, we've interviewed uh, Jordan Shipley here, and he said uh, Carson Palmer threw one of the nicest balls he's ever caught from any quarterback, and he caught some from some great ones both in college and in, in the NFL. But he really liked the way Carson Palmer threw a threw a football. Yeah, um, I think 39 or 40 from Warner, and like close to 25 or so from from Palmer. So you Touchdown can see passes. what he can do with a good quarterback. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing for you, uh, Doctor Dan, and you're a Cards fan because um, you grew up with them when they were in St. Louis. But you know, what if Larry Fitzgerald decides he wants to keep playing, but he doesn't oh, want to play for the Cardinals no, anymore, and he wants to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers or or or, or Luck or Brady? How would you feel about that? Well, let me just tell you. I'm going to go back in time a little bit here. It just brings up an open wound. I'm a Cardinals fan, so St. Louis Cardinals are also my favorite baseball team because they played in St. Louis as well with the Cardinals when I was growing up. And they've stayed around. They've, they've stayed around, left. yeah. But <laughs> Albert Pujols, our favorite player, did not. Albert Pujols was going to be the guy that yeah, everybody said was the next day unusual. He was going to be around forever. He was going to be Cardinal forever. And he signed for more money and went to the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So, uh, yeah, it's all, I think it's always sad when you see a guy play for his entire career with one club and then goes and, you know, right at the end of his career changes. You know, you think of Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith played with the Dallas Cowboys, and then he goes to the Arizona Cardinals. You think of Joe Cardinals, Namath, yeah. who played with the Jets and had all those great years with the Jets, and he finished as a, a, a Los Angeles Ram. I mean, you don't even remember these guys playing for these other teams, and then, you know, it's just, I don't know, it just never seems like it ever works out. Can you think of a guy that played for the team in his entire career, went to another club, and then won them a Super Bowl or a World Series? Brett Favre came pretty close. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. I'm sure there is, but that left. Well, Dion, Dion played for your, your Cowboys and then went to the Niners or vice versa, vice versa right? Yeah. He, won, didn't he, he won both places. He won both, but he was in the prime of his Haley career. He had, been with the, he had been with the Niners you know, a long, long extended yeah, period of time. He, I think that's the thing. If you go more than what's what's over under four let's, or five let's years, go ten years, you, you let's just go ten years. Stick. Yeah. If you, if you're there over ten, you can't go anywhere else. But if you if you stay there only five six years, 
go every go four or five places five six years and nobody cares yeah but if they're 10 and then you go somewhere everybody's like Oh, this just isn't right. I know man. the Albert Pujols in the Angels uniform still does not look right to me. He's never been the same ever since he left the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, uh, one of the sports medicine uh, uh, trivia things that we can talk about is uh, we mentioned Kurt Warner being one of the great quarterbacks for the Arizona Cardinals. Remember that does not happen if he doesn't have a thumb injury with the New York Giants. Remember Kurt Warner injured his thumb where it gets pulled back and he gets uh, he ex- he injures the ligaments in his thumb and he couldn't hold on to the football very well. So he kept fumbling for the New York Giants, but he couldn't throw a pretty ball because he couldn't grip with his thumb. Try throwing a football with no thumb. It, it doesn't work out very well. So instead of uh, them sticking with him, they went with the new guy, Eli Manning. Well, that's worked out pretty good for him. But Not the okay. Cardinals in the, were the recipients of Kurt Warner, whose thumb, by the way, in, improved with time, and he figured out he could wear a glove with his thumb injury that helped him hold on to the ball better, and he went down as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever because he led the, the Rams and the Cardinals, two notoriously poor teams in the NFL, both of them, to uh, Super Bowls. So, yeah, Kurt Warner is only a Cardinal because of an injury. Once again, we talk about the badness of sports medicine injuries, but there is also a flip side. There's a good side for a club that picks up a guy who, who his injury heals and the guy that gets a chance, like an Eli Manning, for the New York Giants, who comes in because of his injury to Kurt Warner, and now is is, is going to go down as a great quarterback. So there is a good side too. Yeah, and Kurt Warner. I mean, he should have won that that Super Bowl oh, with uh, with with the Cardinals. With the Steelers, you know? I mean, yeah. he, he did make that bad interception pass that Harrison ran all the way back for the touchdown. And and Larry Fitzgerald back to to bring it all full circle. We we're talking to the to Toby um, about Bicknell. the baseball and yeah, yeah Bicknell about hey, we want to see what these guys do, and they are they always hustling. Larry Fitzgerald almost tracked down Harrison in that when he came yes. to the other side of the field and ran 112 yards and knocked <laughs> yeah. him out as he went through the goal line. So yeah. Larry never gave up on that play yeah. and almost tracked him out. But Kurt Warner could have had what two or probably should have had two or three uh, Super Bowls uh, because they you know be, they won the one in St. Louis, but. He got in the Hall of Fame anyway, so I'm glad he did. Yeah, I am too. I think Kurt Warner's one of the good guys of sports. But, yeah, no, Larry Fitzgerald is not a guy that is not going to give you his full effort and not going to have a great attitude. And he did it during the good years with the Cardinals, which had been very few, but he's also done it during the bad years with the Cardinals. He stuck with them. And so he also uh, – I get to listen to him sometimes. He's on a national broadcast, does a Larry Fitzgerald uh, show, and I really like listening to him too because he's always positive on that show and does a great job. But, uh, hey, we want to say thank you to all our great listeners here on Docs and Jocks. we got one more segment coming up on your Sports Medicine Radio Show. We're going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on in the sports medicine world. Hey, stay tuned. We're here with us. Uh, I'm Dr. Dan with my co-host, Ferris Potter. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, and uh, we're bringing you a little Ferris Potter uh, action out of Phoenix, Arizona. Ferris is named so for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which you are listening to Yellow, which I think was the song uh, made famous by Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is it not, Ferris? Yes, sir. Yes. How many people know that's from Yellow? That's a 1980s. uh, The principal (laughs) walking after he got beat up by Ferris's sister. He's walking on the bus to get a ride back to school, and they're playing that as he walks by, and a little girl says, you want a gummy bear? They've been in my pocket all day. Yes. And he flicks it <laughs> off of her finger. Yeah, that though that movie's making a comeback right now. There's a bunch of commercials that are doing uh, Is that uh, right? spoof off of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's been pretty good, fun to watch. They never did a sequel. I, I was always surprised they haven't done like a Ferris Bueller, like where is he could 20 you, years though? from now or whatever. Could you, though? Could you do? I guess Wouldn't you, you could. you want to see what Ferris is doing now? In Cameron? It'd be a disappointment if he was like just like, you know. Working as as at a grocery store or something. You know, I've seen Cameron. The uh, his best friend has done other movies, done well in in, in Hollywood. Oh, Alan, yeah, Alan Rickman. Yeah, he's done. Not Alan Rickman. That's the guy who was the bad guy on 
I don't know. Alan, yeah. something or other. Cameron, and then you got uh, Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick, who's done well. You know what I haven't seen is The Girlfriend. I haven't seen The Girlfriend still on any other shows. I don't know if she ever had one on that. Oh, now. Sloan Peterson. Sloan Peterson, yeah. I don't know if she's still around or not, but that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> she is Mia, Mia, Mia Sarah, Mia Sarah, Mia Sa- Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, yeah. we're, we're children of the 80s, if you, if you haven't figured that out yet. John Hughes film, a John Hughes <laughs> film, baby. Hey, I want to say thank you to uh, Texas Sport and Spine and uh, Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Couldn't do our show here without our wonderful sponsors. You are listening to your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks. Hey, if you ever want to find out more about our show, you can go to doxnjox.com, doxnjox.com, or you can listen to us anytime, anywhere on our iTunes app at Docs and Jocks. Just subscribe to doxnjox, Docs and Jocks, and you can listen to our show on your iTunes podcast at your convenience. Hey, I do want to say thank you, uh, Ferris, uh, man, to all our Phoenix listeners that we're on uh, listening on multiple uh, sports radio shows out there on uh, in the Phoenix area. Hey, tell us what you're doing with uh, Grand Canyon University with uh, their sports medicine uh, or sports broadcasting programs and what they're doing in baseball right now and how things are going. You know, we just had our final game of the year at home, and Dr. Dan's final game at Brazel Stadium. That's They're amazing. Down I played in that the field. stadium and building a brand-new structure. You saw the, the, the blueprints of it. Um, not sure if they're going to keep it named Brazel or not. I'm, I'm thinking they will. They've been naming everything GCU Stadium, so GCU Baseball Stadium, Brazel Field, hopefully. Uh, but Coach B was there. He's at the game, the final wow. game, throughout the first pitch. Andy Stankowitz caught the first pitch. And the dude's like 80-some I years know, old. Yeah. And he has his cane, which is the cane is a baseball bat. Oh, that's cool, yeah. It's a baseball bat cane. His wife was there. They sat in the front row. They sat around for like two hours, caught through the sixth inning. Oh, that's Lopes great. came back, won the game. It was great. The senior, it was senior day. A.J. Franks, the only senior on the team, uh, got the save in the ball game. And they go up now the, this weekend. They're playing at Utah Valley. Their magic number is three. If they win three or a combination of three wins or losses by them and New Mexico State, they win the Western Athletic Conference. It'll be the second time in four years that Coach Stankwitz has won the, the won the conference. And he's been uh, at a uh, so, really been at a, a disadvantage given the fact that y'all are in that transitionary program yeah. period where you're having to have four years where you have to wait to go to fully Division One, which happens next year. So he's done that with the uh, being handcuffed, not being able to do postseason play, which is really a you know a big honor for Coach Stankwitz to be able to do that. So, yeah, no, great things going on at Grand Canyon University, and uh, it's always fun to have Ferris, my co-host, uh, who is the voice of Grand Canyon University. Ferris, also tell us about you have the Fantasy Baseball Wrap show as well. How can your listeners in Phoenix uh, catch that show as well? Yeah, we're on Tuesday nights. Uh, we've been 6 to 7. We're moving to 7 to 8 uh, shortly. But just go to our website, Fantasy Baseball Wrap, R-A-P, FantasyBaseballWrap.com. We also do a weekly newsletter, and one of our members, uh, Jeff McKenzie Howard, of uh, the Toronto Mounties. He won the league last year. He wrote a nice little article. I'll have to get your opinion on it. He, he, he's he been complaining about the 10-day DL. They went from a 15 to a 10 because now people are more likely to put a guy on there who oh, might only be yeah. out six or seven days. Yeah. So in fantasy, a guy who would be like, oh, no, we're not going to put him on the DL because we can't waste him 15 days, but we'll put him on 10. They go a lot quicker He now. probably could come back and play in six. You'll lose him for four days in fantasy. So he's right, wrote an article about that. We're gonna we're gonna put that in our newsletter oh, so you can uh, get your views on it. Absolutely, love to do that as well. Hey, on the on the Docs and Jocks, I thought we could spend our last segment talking about what's going on in the sports medicine world. That we we lose a, a NFL Hall of Famer, and I have to say that I didn't really know this player all that well. Yale Larry Yale Y A L E Larry L A R Y. He was a Hall of Famer. Ferris, had you heard of him before? No, but that's a great name. Yeah, Larry, yeah, he uh, passes away this week. They just list natural causes. So I read a little up, up on him just because uh, he had passed away. And 
You know, I like uh, reading a lot about history of uh, sports just because I always say if you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. And I'm in the sports medicine world, so I always like to read up on these guys. And he was a punter, a kick returner, and a safety, and he played for 12 years. Back in the day, man, back in the 50s, and he played from 52 to 64. He missed three years because of the Korean War, and he was in the Army. But during those years, he, he played punter, kicker, and or punter, kick returner, and safety. I always loved the guys of the old that played multiple positions, offense, defense, special teams. Yeah, the back back then it was like there was no oh I'm just an offensive guy. I mean you did everything and you wanted yeah. to do everything, right? Right. And we're uh, 86 years old. What a stud, man! <laughs> what a what a what a life, right? Yeah, exactly. He He's considered one of the greatest all around players of all time. He played his college football at Texas A and M. So we thought we might uh, he might have overlapped with Gene Stallings. Remember Gene Stallings plays one of the uh, uh, guys that played at Texas A and M when Bear Bryant was there. They call them the uh, – man, I'm blanking on what they call them, the famous players. What do they call them, Hawk? The players at Texas A&M that played for Bear Bryant. The uh, something oh, yeah, boys. Oh, too. Dad, gummit. Anyway, we it had, wasn't the Lost Boys. It, it was oh, the uh, – Junction Boys. Yeah, it just came to Junction me. Boys, yeah, because he took them out there and tried to kill them all. Right, so all we called – yeah, we <laughs> called the great uh, Gene Stallings to see if he would uh, – Coach Stallings and he, if he remembered him. And he said what he remembered about him is he had a great reputation. His time with him at A&M didn't overlap, but he had a great reputation as one of the great uh, football players of all time. So appreciate Coach Gene Stallings being able to tell us a little about E.L. Larry. But, yeah, I, I enjoy listening and finding out about players of old and what's gone on with them and where – where they were. I mean, we, he's an NFL Hall of Famer, Ferris. We, you and I, love the NFL, and uh, we don't know anything about Yell Larry. So, the, the NFL has done. They're not like baseball. Baseball, for whatever reason, their heroes of the past are a lot more yep. re- better, well known, remembered in a in a more often and mentioned a lot more often in broadcasts. It seems like football doesn't talk about the guys of old in the same way or in the same, maybe because there's not as many games, you don't have as much time in a broadcast to talk about it. I don't know why, but it doesn't seem like we remember the uh, older guys very well. No, I think you're right. I think that's part of the reason a lot of younger folks or a lot of people say there's a problem with baseballs because it's so driven and so, um, I don't know, it honors the past so much more, but that's why guys like me and you love it. That's why we, you know, and the players that come up in baseball, they know about guys who played back in the 30s and 40s, and they understand those records, and they get how important they are, you know? Yeah. A guy like Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant, you know, they can talk about guys who played for the Cubs in the 1900s. They they, they kind of know who they are. They've heard of them, right. at least. Exactly. In football, it's not uncommon for a guy to go, I haven't even heard of guys who played in the 80s. Yeah, right, exactly. Hey, speaking of remembering guys, uh, Derek Jeter, uh, you know, the captain, he got remembered this this week uh, by the Yankees. They retired his number. But tell us about about some of the – I know it doesn't have a lot of sports medicine. He was one of the guys that rarely got hurt, which is one of the reasons he is such a a great, durable player. He had an injury to his foot and ankle there at the end. But, you know, talk to us a little about what you remember the best about Derek Jeter and him being remembered having his number retired with the New York Yankees. Yeah, he he got it retired on Mother's Day today, you know, and, uh, I mean, he's – He's a guy that just he's 14 time all American All-Star, sixth all-time with uh, 3465 career hits, and he leads the Yankees. This is the Yankees. He's he's number 1 on the all-time list in hits, games played, doubles, stolen bases, at bats, singles, and hit by pitches. And um, he's got his number 2 retired. So now 22 men have had their number retired, but only 21 numbers because in 1972, they retired number eight in honor of Yogi Berra and Bill Dickey. Two of the greatest catchers ever. Kind of cool they had the same number in it. 
Yeah, and that and now that's why a guy like Aaron Judge comes up and he wears ninety nine, and you go, why? <laughs> they're running out of numbers, guys. Twenty one yeah. of them are gone, and they're the good ones. Yeah, that's right. You know, no more single digits left for the New York Yankees, man. They're all gone. All the number, all the single digits are done. Isn't that crazy? Well, and Mariano's is retired because it was a forty two, which was Jackie Robinson. Yeah, you know, he was the right. la- he was yeah. the last guy to play to wear that number. Yeah, he lasted the uh, longest you know, of the guys. So everybody in retired that one. A great piece of trivia here. We've had on Jim Ward. Remember, we call him Train here on the show. Yep. So Train pitched in the Dodgers organization for about 10 years. He pitched with uh, Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, Johnny Padres. One of my greatest uh, interviews. I love talking to Train because he loves talking baseball. And, you know, you and I can talk uh, a little bit of baseball, Ferris. I don't know if you know that or not. But Train was from Pasadena, California. And in college, he pitched in three College World Series with the University of Arizona Wildcats. He's in their Hall of Fame. And, uh, I mean, his, his numbers are crazy, crazy good. He actually won 42 games in college. And because he's from Pasadena, California, he wore number 42. You know why that would be? Uh, well, because, well, I was going to say because, what year was he? Jackie Robinson, UCLA? Well, Jackie Robinson's from Pasadena, California. Actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, Train's uncle lived right across the street from Jackie Robinson when Jackie Robinson That's was a kid. That's why he wore it, huh? He wore number 42 in oh, honor of wow. Jackie Robinson. Cool. Yeah, back in, this is in the 50s. So that just tells you what Jackie Robinson meant to kids from all over the country, especially for Pasadena, California, Jackie Robinson's hometown. They love Jackie Robinson so much. He was number 42 and just happened to win 42 games in college. How cool is that? Wow. Yeah. So. I did not realize Jackie was from Pasadena. I knew he was from Southern yep. California. I knew he went to UCLA, and he was a stud athlete all the way around. Yep. But I didn't know he was actually from Pasadena. That's from cool. Pasadena, California. So you give a did shout out a to Did you wear a number? Did you, did you pick your number in honor of anybody, I, or did you just like, oh, I, I got this number? And I, I can tell you a story of not getting the number I wanted. I, I wanted number 20 because that was Lou Brock's number, even though I wasn't a prolific stolen base leader like Lou Brock, <laughs> but I felt on the inside like I was. So I always wanted number 20. So when I get to high school – the problem with picking your numbers in high school and in college is you always come in as the freshman, right? So there's yeah. a bunch of guys ahead of you that have all the numbers all already picked out. So oftentimes the numbers like Mickey Mantle's number seven is picked, those types of things. So anyway, but I did get to be number seven. I liked that number because uh, Mickey Mantle, but uh, I wanted to be number 20, but it was taken by a senior when I got, both got into high school and into college. So There's it. the great uh, Seinfeld episode when George Costanza wants to name his first child seven in honor yeah. of Mickey Mantle. That's awesome, be the greatest name, and his <laughs> wife's like, his wife's like, no, and all the guys are like, that's yes. incredible, and then a friend takes the number and names their kid seven, and he's so upset about it. Yeah, that is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Hey, uh, a couple other big stories in the sports medicine world. Uh, right before we uh, close here on Docs and Jocks, uh, Adrian Beltre, the uh, Texas Rangers third baseman, who they they need him back desperately. They have nobody in the lineup right now hitting over three hundred, which is incredible. Uh, he is taking uh, infield drills. He's been out because of a calf injury. And uh, he's been out since the start of the season. He's also doing uh, some batting practice now. So it looks like they may get him back before the end of May, which was the original projection when they thought they were going to have him back. This is their 38-year-old third baseman. Uh, He is really kind of the fire, the heart and soul of the Texas Rangers. I think you would agree, Ferris. And now hopefully we're going to be able to get him back. But remember, your calf takes about six times your body weight every time you step and every time you jump off of it. So I had a patient tell me this week she came in for the same type of injury. And she's like, why is this taking so long? So I use Adrian Beltre as an example. Hey, even a guy who gets paid millions of dollars to be on a baseball field, he can't make it back any quicker than, say, four, six, eight weeks. You never know how long it's going to be because it's such a bad injury. That made her feel better. So docs and jocks and doing our research here can oftentimes make our patients feel better because of their injuries as well. You know, I had an injury at one point a couple <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, and here I don't we want to go. Talk about it. Oh, I don't want to talk about here it, we go. Alex Hawk with Gordon the groin injury. Had the same injury. 
he recovered a bit faster than me, but it bothered him a long time too. So I totally understand that analogy. Just say it; it's a groin injury. He had a groin injury, and he loves to I talk about it. Talk. Why do you always bring it up? I don't know. Why do you bring it up? I bring it up. I don't exactly. Hey, so the Rangers. I mean, they're eight and a half games out. They're still a long way to go. Uh, they haven't shown any signs of life, though. At some point, do they just do they cash it in, or is it still way too early? I think it's way too early. Whitey Herzog, uh, one of the greatest managers of all time, a guy that I like to follow as far as his philosophy on baseball, but he uh, he said at uh, midseason you need to be 500. So they're not they're not you know they need to get back. They got a ways to go to midseason. Yeah, so they got a ways to go. Baseball's such Only a marathon. Only 36 games in, so what's 81 is midseason. Yeah. So Whitey had a bunch of markers 40. like that. Is how he'd used to judge baseball. 45 games. If, if you get lost, you'll huh. get lost in the forest for the trees. So he said he had a bunch of different markers like that. But I remember midway through the season, you want to be right out 500 to say, give, say you still have a chance. So, anyway. So you're saying there's a chance. You're, you're saying there's a chance. One in a million. Hey, second <laughs> testicular cancer case in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, Jameson Talion, he is a, a Pirates pitcher. He undergoes an orchiectomy, which is a removal of a cancerous testicle due to testicular cancer. He is the second one to be uh, found out this year, a pitcher, Chad Bettis of the Rockies. Uh, he's a pitcher. I believe did uh, Bettis pitch for uh, Texas Tech. I believe he's a Texas Tech guy. Yeah, Hawk knows him. And uh, he is now uh, t- Bettis, who had the same procedure done that uh, Italian did. He has now um, been found that he has a recurrence and has been placed on the 60-day DL and is undergoing chemotherapy. So we had reported that Chad Bettis was kind of out of the woods with it. But, man, you never know mm. with cancer. It's why you want to you know, do, do routine monthly testicular checks. It's why you want to make sure if you're a young man, you look for that type of uh, cancer as well as melanoma, another curable cancer. If you catch it early, those are the type of cancers. If you get them taken care of early, they can be completely preventable. And uh, we hope uh, our wishes, our thoughts, and our prayers go out to both the Italian family as well as the uh, Bettis family as they've both been diagnosed with testicular cancer this year. Hey, uh, Ferris, here in our last minute or so, I wanted to get your take. So NBA predictions, does uh, Golden State take down a Parkerless San San Antonio and then we're going to move to Cleveland, and are they going to pick down either the Celtics or the Wizards? I'm picking San Antonio to win that series. All right, man. Here, you heard, heard it here first, first on Docs and Jocks. Absolutely. And Cleveland uh, versus either the Celtics or the Wizards. Who are you picking there? Cleveland. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I don't see I'm anybody. picking LeBron. Absolutely, man. <laughs> hey, but you know what? The king. LeBron may be our favorite basketball player, the greatest basketball player of all time, but you guys are our favorite fans of all time here on Docs and Jocks. We could not do what we do here on Docs and Jocks, our sports medicine radio show, without our great fans. We love it when you guys contact us, and you can do that by going to docsandjocks.com and uh, click on Contact Us, and uh, you'll send me an email. I would love to have your question on air, and if you'll send me that, I can, uh, if I'll, I'll look at those, and I'll get them on air, and we'd love to talk about your neck injury or back injury or shoulder injury that correlates with one of the injuries we're talking about in these great uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NFL players. So for myself, Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, and Ferris Potter, my co-host with uh, Grand Canyon University where he does the sports broadcasting. We'll see you next week on Docs and Jocks.